0: When my grandma retired, she decided to move to Florida, leaving her house in New Jersey to her favorite grandchild, me. I'd recently graduated from college and was looking for my own place, so the timing was perfect. Plus, I loved my grandma's house. I used to spend every summer there as a kid, and it was full of fond memories. So I packed up and moved to the Garden State. My grandma was still at the house, finishing with papers and packing the last of her things. I was really glad to see her before she left. We talked, had some pie in the kitchen, and at some point, my grandma glanced out the window with a sad look on her face. I asked what was wrong. I just thought of Mr. Johnson. You remember him, don't you? Oh, I remembered him, alright. Mr. Johnson was grandma's neighbor from across the street, and he was... creepy. He was always grumpy and borderline crazy, in my opinion. Whenever he saw me and other kids playing outside, he'd run at us with a pitchfork, screaming and cussing, demanding that we don't go anywhere near his house. I heard some nasty rumors about him. That he was a cannibal murderer? That he buried his whole family alive? I didn't know what to believe, but I did know that he terrified me. But whenever I tried to talk to Grandma about it, she'd simply say that Mr. Johnson was just a really unhappy person and that I shouldn't bother him. So when she asked me if I remember him, I cautiously answered, Yeah, I do. Why? I don't think I ever told you what happened to him, did I? I shook my head. No. And then my grandma told me one of the most heartbreaking stories I've ever heard. She said that many years ago, before I was born, Mr. Johnson was a completely different person. He was a young man happily married with two beautiful kids. He adored his wife and was one of the nicest people in the neighborhood, but his happiness didn't last long. A few years before I spent my first summer with my grandma, his family got in a horrible car accident. He and his kids made it out alive, but his wife couldn't be saved. A few months after that, his son and daughter went missing. Just vanished overnight. The police never did find them. As you can imagine, all of this devastated Mr. Johnson, and he hasn't been the same ever since. When my grandma told me this, I started to feel almost guilty for the way I thought of him, the way I acted. Me and the neighborhood kids would constantly make fun of him, trying to look cool and brave in front of each other. All of a sudden, I remembered my friends even daring me to break into his house. I couldn't remember if I succeeded or not. Some images flashed in my head, a basement, ropes hanging from the walls, a decrepit bed that looked more like a prison bunk. Probably not. I must have just been imagining stuff out of fear, I thought to myself. Will you look after him, Michael? My grandma's voice pulled me out of my thoughts. What? You know, just check on him once in a while, make sure he's okay. He doesn't have anyone. He barely talks to the neighbors. I used to invite him over sometimes or bake something for him. Since I'm moving, I'm worried that he may clam up entirely. She paused for a moment. Will you look after him? For me? Sure, I nodded. No problem. A few days after she left, I decided to fulfill my promise and baked some blueberry muffins for the old man. The idea of bringing them to Mr. Johnson was kinda stressful. I was still a little scared of him, but I gave Grandma my word. I put a few muffins on a plate and walked towards Mr. Johnson's house. Funny, but with every step I took... I felt more and more like a naughty little boy who's getting into something he shouldn't. I brushed aside these stupid childhood fears and knocked on the door. Nobody answered. I knocked again. Nothing. I was starting to think that maybe Mr. Johnson isn't home. Just as I was turning around to head back, the front door creaked open behind me. The grumpy old man peeked out. What do you want? Mr. Johnson! Hi! My name's Michael. I'm your neighbor Elizabeth's grandson. He kept glaring at me. I didn't ask who you are. I asked what you want. Oh, I brought you these. I held the plate of muffins out in front of me. As a welcoming gesture, I forced a smile, trying to act and sound cool. I'm not new to the neighborhood. You are. There was annoyance in his voice, but he took the plate anyway. At that moment I distinctively heard a loud thud down in the basement. That itself wasn't as weird as Mr. Johnson's reaction. He went pale. His eyes were panic-stricken. Hey, is everything okay in there? It's none of your business. He started to close the door and turn away. Then he stopped and eyed me up and down suspiciously. Aren't you one of those little brats who tried to break into my house? Uh, what? I felt the blood rush to my face. I... I don't think so, at least I don't remember anything like that. His angry eyes pierced me for a solid five seconds. I'll bring the plate back later, he snapped, and shut the door. I went home puzzled by my neighbor's strange behavior. I should probably drop it. After all, that poor man's life was none of my business. But my grandma did ask me to keep an eye on him. I don't think spying was exactly what she had in mind, but how else would I know he's okay? Plus, I could tell he was hiding something. So I decided to watch him for a little bit. I found a pair of binoculars and went upstairs to the attic. Mr. Johnson's house was surrounded by a tall, thick fence, so the only way to see anything was from above. I looked across the street. Everything seemed peaceful and quiet so far, but I kept watching. I felt like some sort of detective or secret agent, sitting there, binging on the rest of the muffins and watching my neighbor through the binoculars. Hours went by. Nothing happened. I was tired, bored, and out of muffins. I checked the time. It was around 3am. At that point I felt kinda stupid sitting in the dark, spying on my neighbor like a little kid. I should go to bed, I thought to myself. I looked at Mr. Johnson's house one last time and froze on the spot. I saw Mr. Johnson step out of his house and look around. When he made sure the coast was clear, he disappeared into the house for a second only to come back, leading someone else. I could see a tall, thin figure just for a second, but Mr. Johnson pulled the person into the dark corner of the yard, and they got hidden in the trees. My first idea was to call the police, but I stopped myself. Maybe there was a good explanation for what I just saw. I thought I'd pop my head into Mr. Johnson's yard and see for myself if something truly shady was going on over there. Plus, I had an excuse. He hadn't returned my plate yet, so if he notices me, I could say that I was coming for it. I walked carefully towards the fence and gently pulled the handle. It was locked. This didn't stop me. In fact, I was even more determined to get inside. Trying to keep quiet, I pulled my chin up and looked over the fence. I almost fell down when I saw a young man with his arms tied and his mouth taped. He was walking around the yard while Mr. Johnson led him on a leash like a dog. The poor guy noticed me within seconds. His eyes lit up. He pulled towards me. Just then, Mr. Johnson shot a panicked look right at me. He tried to yank the guy back into the house, but the man growled underneath his tape and suddenly headbutted his captor. Mr. Johnson fell to the ground and let go of the leash. The man ran towards the gate in the fence. He struggled to open the bolt, and Mr. Johnson was getting back on his feet. All of this was happening so fast. The man looked at me with a silent begging in his eyes. I climbed over and helped him unlock the bolt. We ran to my house as fast as we could. When we got inside, I locked the door and called the police. After that, I untied the guy and took the tape off his mouth. But before he could say anything, someone started beating on the front door. Steve, get back here now. Mr. Johnson's voice sounded threatening. The young man, well, Steve, I guess started shaking and grabbed my hand as if I was his only hope. He pointed at the window behind my back. I turned around to see Mr. Johnson about to break it with a shovel. I grabbed Steve's hand and we ran upstairs to the attic. We locked the hatch behind us. I can't describe the relief I felt when the police finally came. Steve was taken to the hospital and they took me to the police station as a witness. The whole story came out later, and I was shocked, to say the least. Steve was actually Mr. Johnson's son. Remember the kids that went missing years ago? Well, apparently Steve and his sister were playing tag when he accidentally pushed her down the stairs. She fell, hard. She died almost instantly. Mr. Johnson, crazy with grief, was too afraid that his son would be charged and sent to prison. Even though it was an accident, he couldn't bear even the slightest risk of losing another person he loved. So instead, he buried his daughter's body, hid Steve from the world, and pretended his children went missing. Ever since then, Steve stayed locked up in the basement. Mr. Johnson only let him out to walk in the yard at night so that he wouldn't get sick without fresh air and basic exercise. Mr. Johnson went to prison for what he did but I think he was sent to a psych ward not long after. Steve is going through psychological rehabilitation. I don't know how that's going to go, but I wish him the best, even though I doubt that such trauma ever truly goes away.